0: Welcome to the Touchdown Wire Week 13 NFL Matchup Podcast with Doug Farrar and Mark Schofield. I'm Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire, as always, along with Mark Schofield, our five tool guy. This week, Mark and I discussed how things will shake out with these as the primary questions Is it time for Ben Roethlisberger to mix in more breaking balls? And who is Pittsburgh's best Bud Dupree replacement? Should the Browns and Titans throw the ball at all when they face off? Does the Eagles coaching staff have too many cooks with a really bad recipe? Are the Falcons the only NFL team that should play more man coverage? What does Bill Belichick like about Justin Herbert? And what might that tell us about New England's coverages against the Chargers? Should Richard Sherman play more free safety? And should Robert Sala start thinking about a Michigan homecoming? And how will Deshaun Watson fare without Will Fuller? Also, we discussed why Green Bay's Matt Lafleur. Should be in the discussion along perhaps the best, forget, like in the discussion, might be the best passing game play caller in the NFL right now and how that's benefiting Aaron Rodgers greatly. There's a lot to get to as always, so let's get rolling with the Touchdown Wire Week 13 NFL Matchup Podcast with myself, Doug Farrar, and Mark Schofield. Welcome to the Touchdown Wire Week 13. NFL matchup podcast. I'm Doug Ferraro, editor of Touchdown Wire. As always, with me, Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy, and Mark, we've uh, we've made it to Week 13. Uh, it's been a bit of a rocky uh, <laughs> exploration. Ask the Baltimore Ravens about that, but we appear to be here. And uh, yeah, let, let's roll. It's December.
1: Um, I think it's worth asking at the start before we dive in: Are there any good teams in the
0: NFL? any really good teams yeah. well the Chiefs obviously um, Packers I think you got to start looking at uh, defense is a you know a thing which you wonder about uh Seattle week to week that's their usual variance who the hell knows because I don't know. I'm looking at playoff standings here. I mean, the Steelers. I have
1: questions about them
0: now. I have a lot of questions. Well, we'll get into the you know as we go into the podcast. My my primary question right now is, uh, when did Big Ben turn into Philip Rivers? Titans defense worries me. Bills, you know that defense is starting to come into shape. Uh, Cleveland Browns. I I the more I look at Mayfield, the more I'm like, what? Um, Saints. Well, you know, Seahawks, as I said, I, I don't know from week to week. Um, Rams, we're going to get into Goff, not yeah. impressed at all like this. We talk about the Kirk Cousins contract and the Jared Goff contract might be even worse as far as team development because Cousins has been playing his ass off the last month. Um, Cardinals, sort of, Buccaneers, whoo, really the game plan and they have a buy. So, you know, maybe they can figure some stuff out. Uh, you get into these teams like the Niners with their defensive game plan. Um, God, get Kyle Shanahan quarterback and, and you're talking about a completely different thing. There's uh, Falcons at four and seven look pretty spunky right now, especially after what they did to the Raiders. Raiders, eh, who knows? Truly great teams. Um, I mean, if, I don't know, the Chiefs are playing more, they're getting more interesting on defense lately. So, um, obviously, what Mahomes is doing is just crazy. Right. Uh, if that's a league average defense, that's the best team in the NFL. But, like, truly great, like, you can't, you know, like, 2007 Patriots great? Uh, no. I mean, I,
1: I just think every team has a question mark, and it's just a big. It's The issue is how big is that question.
0: Yep. And for some and, teams, it's huge. Uh thematically that's a lot of what we're going to get into so let's start with atlanta at new orleans this could be an unexpected defensive battle and we know last year uh dan quinn put raheem morris more and jeff olberg their linebackers coach more in charge of the defense big turnaround um and this is you know against Taysom hill and then a buy and then you know uh, the, the weird raiders game but uh New Orleans this year past defense DVOA, weeks one through nine, 27th, weeks 10 through 12, 5th. Run defense DVOA, weeks one through nine, 19th, weeks 10 through 12, 8th. Overall defensive DVOA for the Falcons, week one through nine, weeks one through nine, 18th, weeks 10 through 12, 3rd. Only the Saints and Steelers are better in the second half of the season. Now, I don't know what the Saints game, how much football outsiders, because it's opponent-adjusted efficiency. I don't know if they've done a, you know, a Taysom Hill reduction but i went back and watched as i know you did because when a a team just gets whomped up upon like the raiders did um the falcons and, and every you know people say this you know we want our defense to play fast well what does that mean um to me it means with morris they like to play more man coverage than they did with quinn quinn came from seattle cover one cover three whatever um more cover three but they're playing fast in a good way. They're, the the, the D. M. Jones pick six against Derek Carr. Uh, the Raiders tried all kinds of pre-snap motion for placement issues and indicators. The Falcons just switched their checks along the formation and they played straight man regardless. And that's the kind of, you know, to me, that's playing fast. It's like, all right, you can throw all kinds of crap at us and we're just going to do our thing. And we're going to be fine. So um, this against Taysom Hill that, you know, we think Atlanta, New Orleans. Oh, ha. And not really yeah i
1: mean i think what's interesting about atlanta right now and obviously a lot of it stems from the raheem mars question i mean i've been writing that they should bring him back i think he's earned that job yep I think the man coverage has worked. Um, it certainly worked against the Raiders. The Raiders, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, like they seem to be run a lot of these longer development plays, which when you can get pressure on the quarterback, like on that car pick six, you're going to have success as a defense. I think this could be, like you said, a quietly good defensive game if that's your sort of bag. Um, I think, we saw a couple weeks ago, look, this Atlanta team didn't have an answer for Taysom Hill in his first start. So they have to figure that aspect of it. Um, But this could be a good game. This defense is playing better. The numbers bear that out. The execution on film bears that out. And I think that they're probably not going to get back into the playoff mix. But Atlanta has been a much better team the second half of the season under Raheem
0: Morris. Well, this is not a game where I'd play a bunch of man. Because then Sean Payton just just him his little crossers and his you know switch releases and whatever. Taysom Hill, you have to play a bit more zone. Here, because here come the man beaters, and the one thing you don't want to do with Taysom Hill is just give him his first read open the Tebow plan. Well, Mike McCoy, Mike McCoy got a head coaching job because he made Tebow look good in Denver, Um, and it was all first read open. So you you want to throw some confusion at him, and I don't know if that fits. Atlanta's personnel as well as just it's not just you know go out there and wing it and play simple but um you and I both know this you're best as a defense when you're not thinking you're reacting and that's what makes the Falcons work now so they're you know and it's not like Taysom Hill is some sort of huge problem to solve from a quarterback perspective but if I'm Raheem Morris I'm I'm flipping the script a little bit I'm, I'm maybe throwing some things at Taysom Hill that Taysom Hill might not be able to discern right off the bat
1: right I mean you have to you know sort of slow down his thinking and I do think zone so coverage makes more sense because you have to keep eyes on him because he's going to be a if my first read isn't there I am going to run the football kind of quarterback like that's what Taysom Hill is right now and so if you're just it's like the Blake Bortles game plan, right? If you're Blake Bortles in, 19, in 2018 against the New England Patriots and you see man coverage and you see the backs of Stephon Gilmore running away from you, you're just going to run the football. Run. Hey, yep. Yeah. You know, you see the backs, of, you see their back jersey numbers, you run. So don't give Taysom Hill that opportunity.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's also the <laughs> how Colin Kaepernick ran for 180 yards against the Packers. In the playoffs, Don Caper said, let's play a whole bunch of man and turn our backs to the really mobile quarterback. Whoops. Never a good idea. Charles Woodson called Dom Capers out after that game. That's never, that's never a good thing when you're, you know, future Hall of Fame, uh, multiple positional defensive back is calling you an idiot in the locker room. Um, not that Dom Capers is, obviously, but that happened then. So Detroit at Chicago, it's Daryl Bevel time. Uh, last time the Bears and Lions faced off, it was week one. Yet another of Detroit's late-game collapses under Matt Patricia. Mitchell Trubisky threw three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter, all against Detroit's patented man coverage. I'm not even going to go into Detroit's man coverage anymore because I I feel like I've spent half of our podcast talking about this. Trubisky had a three-touchdown game against the Packers last Sunday, but also two picks. And I want to talk about the two picks because both of them were – I think the second pick to Darnell Savage was a cross-country dagger concept. They're the the deep over and the dig, and the first one was a similar. It's a dig and a vert. And on both occasions, Mitchell Trubisky passed up the open dig in the middle of the field. This was like middle of the field, open on a platter with like you know extra eggs, and he passed up the 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 mofo dig in favor of the in the first case double and then the second case triple coverage downfield and this is not to pick on Mitchell Trubisky because we all know what he is but even the three touchdowns were ugly and I have a couple of things I I mean I was going to get into this with with the Eagles but you got Matt Nagy and you got Doug Peterson you got these Andy Reid guys who to me are not scheming things open for their quarterbacks at a level you would expect from Andy Reid guys. And I'll say it again I really hope that Peterson's failures and Nagy's failures do not prejudice the league against Eric Biennami more than the league is already prejudiced against Eric Biennami for reasons out of Eric Biennami's control. But I mean, to me, this is kind of a chicken and egg question. Is the coach hamstrung by the quarterback's inability to see things coming open or are the flawed quarterbacks further affected by the unfavorable route concepts? In other words, you got Carson Wentz, a a broken version of Carson Wentz and you've got Trubisky or Foles and you're just like, well, you know, some coaches would think, okay, I have to over scheme to make this work. Kyle Shanahan would do that. Other guys are like, Oh, screw it. I'm just, I I don't even know what to do right now.
1: Yeah. I think, it is similar in a sense. Both of these quarterbacks, Trubisky and Wentz, are
0: broken right now. Um, their brains are broken, for lack of a better phrase. Um, which yeah, concern- if say that Trubisky is broken, you would have to first imply that he was at any point fixed. Right. I think there was a time, you know, the year they won the division where they
1: could get enough out of him. Obviously, that division win was more due to their defense. I mean, they were scoring points on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think what's concerning for both is that, and this is more Philadelphia. Where I'm seeing on film, guys are open. And once just whether it's a trust issue, a mind issue, a hesitation issue, a confidence issue, all of the above, being a dad for the first time, I don't know. But what is just he's who he is and he's who he was in college. That's I mean in period full stop. That that's what he is right now. Those and AM feedings will knock you on your ass. No, they, they 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 mess up with your brain They really do. Um when you see, and it's not a regression, you know people are saying about once oh, always regress. This is a collapse. Uh-huh. Like people thought maybe once was a top ten, top twelve, top eight quarterback coming into this year. He's a bottom three QB right now. That's a collapse. You know, oh, it tri- down,
0: down. I've said it for the last month. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and it. It's, and, and when
1: you see that, you know, verticals concept that I've written about, the Greasy talked about, the Riddick talked about. He's broken. But he might be who he was at South at North Dakota State, and it's the same with Trubisky. Like he might be just who he was. We in this in this industry, we often overstate the ability of coaches to develop quarterbacks. Sometimes, when you get to be a college senior that has played this position for so long, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. and all the development in the world is not going to fix that and maybe what peterson and the eagles were able to do in that season when they won the super bowl and went looked like an mvp kind of glossed over that wentz is who he is and the same with trubisky and now you can dial things up you can scheme things up you can find all the exotic ways to run mirrored curl flat like matt nagy does And it doesn't matter their brains are broken they are who they are and it's not working
0: I want the the reliance on the RPO. I mean, that was the last part of my book was Peterson's reliance on it in in the ways it helped Wentz and Foles, and that was you know a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. So I don't you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure where I think it's an interesting philosophical discussion where you have because yeah guys are open but it's not. I mean, there are guys, there, there are situations where guys are open and there are situations where guys are open in a way that's favorable to a quarterback who just doesn't trust anything he sees. Which right. is, first read open, get that guy open. You know, the, the, like, zero to ten yards to your front side where you don't even have to think. Get that guy open. And I, I think, think that's what these guys need. I think that's what Trubisky's always needed.
1: Yeah, and I think what's interesting in this sort of chicken and the egg issue is there's probably another layer to that, which is both of these guys, Peterson and Nagy, are trying to throw their way out of this problem. Yep. You know, both of them are really trying to, like, you know, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, there's all this clamor for, why aren't we running the football? But both of these guys are trying to throw their way out of it. And is that the other issue here, too? Like, can they run the ball? Or are they thrown because they can't run the ball? Or what is the issue there? And that's another question that I think both these coaches have to answer.
0: Well, here's another question for Chicago. Why has your defense fallen apart? Uh, Chicago's defense has gone from third and pass defense DVOA in the first half of this season, the 31st in Week 10, since Week 10. Uh, Now, that's against supercharged Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers with a buy in between. But not a great trend for a team that's lost five straight with no help on the offensive side of the ball. And I was watching, re-watching the, the Packers-Bears game, and I found Aaron Rodgers' red zone touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. It's quite interesting because apparently the strategy was to have Robert Quinn hand Adams, who may be the NFL's best receiver, off to Roquan Smith. And yeah. I think anytime you can use a defensive then to hand off to a linebacker against the game's best receiver, you just got to take that opportunity. got to do it. Yeah, and that, that was a great.
1: They dropped eight on that play. Yes, they did. And Rodgers still was able to find time. But what was interesting about that, it's a red zone throw. I'm pulling it up now. Where everything gets so condensed down in the red zone and throwing lanes are smaller, Rodgers was still able to create a throwing lane, you know, by, you know, and what was interesting about the play. He almost got baited into a pick. Like initially, he wanted to throw Adams in the middle of the field, and he pulled it down because the backside defender, I think it was screened the corner, could have jumped it. So he pulled it down. It was one of those great no-throw moments. And then, like you said, you've got Roquan Smith passing him off. It just made no sense. But that's what Rodgers can do right now. He can break you down. And that brings us back to the starting point. This Bears defense. At one point, it was the calling card of this team. But it's starting to fall apart, you know, th- and, and part of it might have been Rodgers, you know, what, it, what he's able to do, but it doesn't get any easier right now with Kirk Cousins, you know, and, th- and that's an offense that, you know, is going to do some things against you. And so, excuse. Well, no,
0: he was, you know, he was Matthew Stafford, who's not, you know, yeah. slouch. That passing game is decent. You got Galladay, you got Jones, you got, um, I don't know, I've heard the words DeAndre Swift and brain injury. Um, that's yeah. a frightening. Just outside of football, hope the kids okay. Um, Yeah, I just, I. I, It's interesting that right now I would almost look at Chicago as the more flawed team in this matchup, which
1: um, I think so because the the big question mark coming in to the past couple of weeks was Matt Patricia, and that's removed. Yep, and you might get some better execution on the offensive side of the ball with Darren Bavell doing some more things, have a, big, a bigger hand in everything. You might get away from, and I know you didn't want to talk about it, the, the over-reliance on man coverage in this line secondary. I mean, you've written about it at length. Seth Galina wrote about it this week at PFF. You know, maybe they do play more zone coverage. And by the way, if you play zone coverage against Mitchell Trubisky, you're going to confuse him. Oh, yeah. It seems like this is a perfect storm here for Detroit to win this game.
0: Well, this is a really good opportunity for uh, a defense that has been so displaced by the, the I, I have no other way to say it, and I find it weird to say it about a guy who has coached for Bill Belichick, right. uh, schematic incompetence of your head coach. Um, if you're working against Mitchell Trubisky on defense, this is a good week to try stuff out.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah spin your safety show some exotic looks play some different sub packages like you know it's it's i don't want to say it's like a practice
0: week it's still an nfl regular season game but you can try a little things well it's like that midlife crisis maybe i should just buy a motorcycle and drive through the desert like peter Fonda. right
1: or a friend of mine who just bought a like 1972 ford pickup truck and painted it like lime
0: green yeah yeah well wow yeah. uh that's a one-up. Is, yeah. Speaking of one-ups, Cleveland to Tennessee. I love this. Speaking here of the 1978 game between the Chiefs and Bengals in which Marv Levy came in as a new head coach, looked at his quarterbacks and went, nope, dusted off the wing tee and ran the ball 69 times in one game. If I'm Kevin Stefanski, this might be my game plan for the rest of the season. Uh, Browns and Titans were about both league average and adjusted line yards, running back yards, and stuff rate. So this could be pure bully ball. And I'll explain why, because these are my notes on Baker Mayfield. Still very fidgety in the pocket, puts his eyes down and then comes back up. That's a Cardinal sin. And he does it a lot. Double clutches a ton, which to me means uncertainty. Doesn't seem comfortable even when he has a clean pocket, which is weird. The red zone incompletion completion to Richard Higgins, which we're all talking about. Oh my God, how could he miss that guy? It was like a 94% touchdown. Uh, probability per next gen stats. And of course, when you overthrow the guy, it isn't um, the weirdest thing about that is he also had Kareem hunt wide ass open on a Texas route in the middle of the field. So we had two guys open again, <laughs> middle of the field open, missed them both. Um, had two red on touchdowns versus Jacksonville. He has made some great throws as he will, but I'm starting to wonder, you know, we were talking about other quarterbacks, like, is this the ceiling? I mean, is this just going to be who Mayfield's going to be, and they got to work around it?
1: I think what's weird about Mayfield is he makes the hard throws look easy and the easy throws look hard. Yep. And that's where he is right now. He's very similar, in a sense, to Cam Newton, because Cam Newton's you know accuracy numbers are much better on throws 30 yards downfield the than they are 5 yards downfield. And that's mechanics number one, uh, particularly in the sense of Cam Newton. And it's also mental. You know, when you, like you mentioned, Doug, and it's such a great point, the double clutching, it's because you're not trusting what you're seeing. Well, you're-
0: that's, that to me is the second worst thing, the dropping his eyes and bringing him back up. Russell Wilson is the only quarterback I have seen who can get away with that.
1: Yeah. Because you're, Mayfield cannot. you have to be a special kind of athlete to be able to do that because... You think about the time you lose when you drop your eyes and start feeling things around you, like to then reset your eyes, recalibrate your field of view and find guys downfield, it becomes a problem. With Mayfield, Stefanski has found some things that have worked. He has catered to some of what he does well. For whatever reason, and it reminds me in a sense of Kirk Cousins, Mayfield might be at his best mechanically when he is forced to move to his left, which is a strange thing for a right-handed quarterback. But is weird found designs where he moves to his left and can make these ridiculous throwback throws like he had the one to Landry. He had another one a couple of weeks ago. That are very impressive. It was the same thing with Kirk Cousins when he was in Washington. Moving to his left, his shoulders, his hips are much cleaner when they work. Sometimes when he was thrown to his right, so Stefanski has found some things that work.
0: Is that is that partially because you don't expect a quarterback to move to a right-handed quarterback to move to to his left, and thus the coverage to that side is not as compressed. I mean, that's part of it. And the other thing
1: is, a lot of these throws are then throwback throws back to the right side of the field. So if you're that post safety in the middle of the field, and this is, we'll, we'll talk about it in a sense when we talk about Matt LaFleur and Green Bay. Yeah. And what? did last week but you naturally think oh quarterback throw to his left he's not going to then throw back I'm going to open my hips to that side of the field everything's going to flow that way you're naturally thinking it's that wide zone bird flood concept with the three level read and then you get a throwback element as, a, as opposed post safety you're not thinking he's going to then throw back away from
0: you throw back to the front side and then you move to your left and the Y is open and that's just who you hit right okay
1: so, I mean, that's kind of what they're doing, except Sefance is kind of doing it with slot receivers where you go wide zone, fake to your right, boot left. You know, you've got the guy on that side of the field who's now front side for you, running a vertical, running back in the flat, or either tight end in the flat, and you're thinking it's that three level stretch, and then it's that throwback element away from you. Now we typically see wide throwback, wide leak with a right handed quarterback rolling to his right and then throwing back to his left. Much easier throw still. But now you're doing it with Stefanski having Mayfield roll left, throw back to his right. It's confusing the eye angles on these post safeties in the middle of the field.
0: Yeah, because traditionally and, and certainly in the beginning of the year, and I for some reason the stats aren't coming up. I know they were running a ton of front side boot. Yeah, just front side boot over and over again, and that's what you know works for Mayfield. Uh the pocket thing has always been a problem. Um uh, I just I'm I'm wondering if this is just who Mayfield's gonna be.
1: I mean it is. It, it's similar to the Trubisky and Wentz discussion. These guys just might be who they are. You know, this what Mayfield was coming out of Oklahoma, a guy that was can I seek out chaos? I need to throw on the move. Like I'm he's looking for the splash play. He's looking for the fadeaway three when he should just take the easy layup when it's given to him. But that's who he is.
0: And that gives, let's see, uh, fourth year is 2021. That If that's who he is and the Browns find those on a hard ceiling this year and next year, that fifth-year option becomes a really interesting discussion. I'm fascinated to see what they do with that. Yep. Cincinnati at Miami, two were practiced on Wednesday. I think it's game time, might be ready to go. Um just in a larger sense, I mean, what does Chan Gailey need to do to help him get past that really bad game against the Broncos? And we talked about it obviously after, where he was just frantic. I've never seen him so frenetic. Yeah, he was- um, and the Broncos will throw some really evil stuff at you. But you know, they've had ne- he's had an extra week to think about it. You know, sitting there on the bench being hurt and all. Um, if you're Chan Gailey, how do you sort of get to his head back in the game? Remind him that he's playing the Bengals on Sunday. Well, other than that, sure.
1: What? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's some of what we talked about already. I I think you need to do get him where he's comfortable, which for Tool right now, a lot of the RPO stuff. You know, get him back to his Alabama roots. You know, glance routes off the RPO. You know, designed one read concepts like he had to throw against the Chargers. Mesh RPO looked to his right, had to come back and throw the speed out to his left. We did a good job with his footwork. Get him on familiar territory. You know, I I think the Denver game, sort of, they did, like you said, we talked about it, some things to confuse him. But I think if you get him back to his comfort zone, you're going to be okay. And that should be enough, Doug, against the Bengals defense, which is a Bengals defense right now. Even though they looked better against the Giants. um, And part of that was, look, Colt McCoy came in. They weren't really ready to have an offense for him, but this is a bad Bengals defense, right?
0: Well, it's not just a bad Bengals defense. And I, you know, I I try not to call out coaches. Right. um, But Lou Anarumo, a second year guy for the Bengals, reading some stuff about he's not really, I wouldn't say abusive, but, you know, kind of an old school, not a, old school rah-rah coach but an old school yell at you and, and use words that are not necessarily constructive and I I really struggle to see this guy put like cogent defenses on the field um, so yeah in a larger sense I don't know what the heck's going on there but for so- a change uh jacksonville at minnesota Kirk cousins reigning nfc offensive player of the week since week 10 cousins has completed 81 of 111 attempts for 913 yards 8.2 yards per attempt eight touchdowns one interception and a passer rating of 117.4 only deshaun watson and aaron Rodgers have higher ratings in that time is that good it's quite good it's my source that's quite good now play action cousins over that time with play actions five touchdowns no interceptions uh, eight touchdowns and five interceptions without. Gary Kubiak has been saying things about using play action more. It is definitely working.
1: It is absolutely working. And if you want numbers to back that up, the worst quarterback in the league in terms of the difference between play action completion percentage versus non-play action per- completion percentage is Kyle Allen, as charted by Pro Football Focus, sees a drop in his completion percentage of 20% when he uses play action. Hmm. Second worst, Kirk Cousins, a drop of 10.9%. But when he uses play action, Kirk Cousins has an NFL passer rating of 118.6, fifth best in the league. He has thrown 11 touchdown passes when using play action, and that is tied for second with Josh Allen. And his yards per attempt, that also jumps when using play action, 1.6 yards per attempt increase when using
0: play action. Use play action. It's a cheat code, kids. It's a cheat code. And the thing about Cousins is this is like every year he's been in the league. Yeah. I mean, this
1: this is who he is. Um, again, that, that might be the theme, the title of this episode. Quarterbacks are who they are. Kirk Cousins is great off of play action. And when you have Dalvin Cook, the threat of Dalvin Cook makes you think play action. And I know when we often talk about play action, people think, oh, you need a good run game to do it. You really don't. You need to be able to Sell it, you know? And yes, there are concerns. Some teams are worried about running play action because sometimes the protection breaks down. Like for the New England Patriots, one of the play action designs, you pull the guard to really sell play action. But if you're worried about getting beat when that guard vacates and your tackle can't come over to fill, then yeah, you have some worry. worries about selling it. But if you can sell play action, make the linebackers bite, you know, get them to go through their read and gonna run keys and Drop down. Then you have perhaps a wide receiver on a crossing road where he's comfortable, wide open behind them. And when that wide receiver
0: happens to be Justin Jefferson, I was just going to say his name might be Justin Jefferson. In which case, your defense is in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Is he good? It's he's just great. He's. Yeah, uh, I think he's about ready to become the second Vikings receiver uh, to gain a thousand yards in his rookie season. The other guy uh, you might have heard of, Randy Moss, or something like that. Yeah
1: michaels Moss yeah I I seem to remember that guy he seemed to be pretty good too oh, he was okay
0: uh Las Vegas at Jets do we just throw out the tape of Derek against the Falcons not that the, it's the Jets so but are, are there things you want to put a pin in here or is it more like uh I don't want to say wait, slower developing more vertical offense against a really fast defense and you just go eh, throw it out and move on yeah, I'm,
1: that's kind of where I am, Doug. I'm curious if you are too, because I, I just think it, it, the game plan it didn't mesh well. We talked about what Atlanta's been doing on defense. I'm inclined to just throw it out. What about you?
0: Well, I think, and uh, you know, I'll say it again. Defensive coordinators that we want to play fast, but well, what does that mean? Um, it means you're playing ultimately. To, you're, you're playing scheme to personnel where no one has to think; everyone just reacts, and you dictate. The Falcons are in that position when they play man, which is unusual because, as I have said far more times than I would care to uh, recall, uh, most teams who play man coverage are really, really, really bad at it. Uh, The Falcons actually should play more man coverage. OMG, LOL. So, yeah, I don't think this is a repeatable formula for a lot of other defenses. Um, I will be interested to see if Gruden cuts back on the you know, like the the 40-yard verts to Waller where it takes, you know, five seconds to get the play out. Uh, but in a general sense, I, I think it was just a really bad matchup and I wouldn't put too much into it, especially against the Jets. Yeah, it's the Jets. It's the Jets. Indianapolis at Houston. Uh, now, I mean, you are you are Team Deshaun Watson. You are the, the GM of, you are the owner of Team Deshaun Watson. Playing out of his mind, we all know this, but, Interesting numbers, Will Fuller, six-game suspension now. Uh, Fuller was on the field this season for 384 snaps, off for 48. When he's off the field, Watson's YPA drops from 9.0 to 7.8. Interception percentage jumps from 1.3 to 2.3. Now, they have had an uptick in full personnel with Fuller off the field. So some of the YPA is schematic in a game plan thing. But Fuller gives you a lot, not only on deep balls, but the ability to take the top off and you know do the old don maynard decoy thing right. um little super bowl three reference there could be a reductive game and houston has indy bears indy over the next three games bears might figure it out uh indy already has uh could get interesting for that offense and deforest buckner is officially off the covid list so um you know they've got cooks who can threaten you vertically but they don't they don't have a will fuller in the box that they can just try. right so maybe it's more of a running back thing i don't know um but then again if force buckner's back and what <laughs> did they miss him against derrick henry yeah uh, uh you know i think that will fuller absence which is pretty much you know that's will fuller's career with the texans that absence could be a bigger deal than we think
1: i think so too and as much as i am you know the owner of Team Deshaun Watson, this might be a week to go into hiding. I don't feel, I don't get the warm and festive looking at this matchup on paper, you know, without Will Fuller, with some of the numbers you walk through. You know, that Indianapolis defense, you know, they didn't stop Derrick Henry, but I think DeForest Buckner's absence and some other absences were a big part of that. They don't, Houston doesn't have a Derrick Henry You know, they might have to put the ball in the air. Their defense is bad, so Indianapolis
0: will score points. And Um, they also lose Bradley Roby, by the way, who might be the best defensive back. So, ouch. So, I mean, you add this together, and it it doesn't seem
1: to me, Doug, to indicate that Watson will make a repeat entrance into uh, next week's QB game.
0: Yeah, I could, but you know, Indy plays as much too high, whether it's manner zone as any other team, so they they're more inclined to bracket if they think they need to, or they'll just, you know, do the umbrella and you know, give you the underneath stuff and Watson might complete, you know, thirty or forty passes for two hundred and ninety five yards and one touchdown. Yeah. you One interception. It's just kinda of like eh, and move on from there. That that fuller thing, that's uh that's no bueno. No, no, it's not. You know, people. You tend to marginalize deep receivers, I guess. Oh, he's a deep, fast guy, so he can't run routes. And you know, Fuller's been hurt, and this does not help his impending free agency. No, but he is—he's a force to be reckoned with. Not only, um, because they they, change—they change their personnel when he's out, and then it's not just that he can catch deep is that he opens everything up for everyone else and right. you lose that guy and it's not just the two bangers per game it's the you know it's, the, it's the 20 other throws to guys because the safety is going oh crap it's will fuller again
1: right especially you know if you're playing a cover two heavy team like indianapolis if yep. he's running deep posts that's drawing both of those safeties you know, and you're pulling them 40 yards downfield, and we know Houston loves Yankee with that deep post and the over route. You know that t- that gets taken away because you don't have that threat.
0: So maybe Cooks becomes a post guy. I don't know. I mean, he maybe like, he can, but it's not the same. He can
1: run 40 posts against Indianapolis, and maybe that opens stuff up.
0: Maybe uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. That might be what they're left with. Um, they do have a guy in in Deshaun Watson with a very nice paper cutter. So he guy. does. Uh, Rams at Arizona, Sean McVeigh's getting it to Jared Goff this week after the 49ers game about taking care of the ball. Which, and that's interesting because McVeigh has been publicly Goff's biggest cheerleader. And I think after that game against the Niners, it was like, oh, GB it. Let's just, I, I have to let my quarterback know publicly, yeah. playing like crap. And, but that's, I haven't seen anything different here. And my notes. Goff is a slow processor, always has been, which makes him a slow mover and a slow reader. This to me is at the root of the Rams decreasing effectiveness with play action. In 2018, Goff's PA splits were the most dramatic in the league and now everything is just meh. So he's been demolished by Miami's cover zero blitzes and San Francisco's cover one looks. And here come the Cardinals who play a lot of man, but can be very balanced. And I think one of the problems that the Rams have, and I have to put this as much on McVay. It's not just play action; it's seven-step play action, and it becomes Goff then has to turn his head, and you know defenders have more time to get into their placement and their spacing. So by the time he turns his head, he's got a much more unclear picture. And Jared Goff with an unclear picture is an absolute—well, I could use several words. Uh, you kind of get my point that's never been that's never going to be who jared goff is is a guy who can figure out an un, a muddy picture in like 0.2 seconds there are guys in the league who can do that that is never going to be him if you don't scheme him open you're dead
1: yeah i mean we, we i said earlier that play action is a cheat code but good play action is a cheat code bad play action doesn't help you and on play action passes this year, Jared Goff has an NFL passer rating of 99.6, which sounds good on its face, but it's ranked 23rd in the league behind
0: Kyle Allen. Is- well, in 2018, when we went to the Super Bowl, he was he 15 touchdowns and 2 interceptions on play action. Now it's average, and I would I would say it was three to five step play action. Yeah, it was boot. It was boot with motion. It was RPO. It was condensed formations where you know especially to the field side you have more room to get a robert woods out in space and, and you know run a boundary fade or whatever Not that you want goth throwing fades either but you know this and you know so they give goff that and i wrote like a six thousand word thing about it when they gave him that contract extension like what are you guys doing and they can't get out of it until 2022. No. Next, next year we leave leaving with 49.7 million in dead cap yeah. so you have a quarterback who has explicitly told you, this is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life or the rest of my career until I just, you know, uh, I don't know, suck even worse. But this is who Jared Goff is. It's not Jared Goff's fault. I mean, when you, when you come to a point of frustration with your quarterback and this is who he's always been, I don't blame the quarterback. I blame the coach because you knew who this guy was and you thought in your genius that you could scheme him out of it. And, you know, late developing play action pass plays for a guy who doesn't read well in the first place i mean get the damn ball out that's your only shot and certainly your only shot against arizona
1: it's amusing to me that this theme of this show is emerging of people we propped up as offensive wizards sean McVay, matt Nagy, doug peterson seem to be struggling right now And part of the reason they're struggling is they think they can scheme their way out of the fact that their quarterbacks are good and their quarterbacks are who we are, who we thought they
0: were. Everyone has a plan until they get hit, right? And with McVeigh, it started to become reductive when everyone stopped biting on jet action or jet motion. That happened, ironically, against Detroit. Matt Patricia figured it out. Uh, (laughs) God knows if he can figure it out, anybody can. Uh, With Peterson, it was kind of a RPO, eh. And with Nagy, it was, you know, doing the few things that Trubisky could do well. I, you know, I don't know with Nagy. I, I think he was just presented an impossible hand. Not that he's done, you know. So, but my point is, you have a plan until you get hit. We're going to talk about. I want to get to, you know, just Giants at Seattle. Well, I, I mean, let's get to Philadelphia, Green Bay. I don't know if we have anything to say about Giants in Seattle. Um, you did a thing for big blue view about game planning for Colt McCoy, uh, Patrick Graham said that everyone on Seattle's offense is scary. We already know that. So yeah, you got anything there?
1: Um, Jamal Adams is a pass rusher might be the best end safety in the game. How about that?
0: There you go. And here's another reason the Bengals should get a new defensive coordinator. (laughs) Yeah. Reduce Carlos Dunlap snaps. How did that work out? (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Brilliant. Okay, Philadelphia, Green Bay. Um, Dr. Schofield, who are the best offensive play callers in the NFL? It's Kyle Shanahan and then it's everybody else. But who's everybody else?
1: I think McDaniels does a good job, even though he gets a lot of stick at times in New England. He's doing a pretty good job with what he has. I think Arthur Smith is good. Um, I think Stefanski has moments and, you know, he's working with what he's got. Yep. Um,. Obviously, the Reed the enemy duo is a pretty good duo of play callers. And, uh, you know, Eric Bienemi is going to get himself a head coaching job, hopefully, in the next couple of months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you get beyond that. Uh, Matt LaFleur should be on that list.
0: We need to elevate this guy to the top. And I would say right now, and I, I, I mean, the 49ers have two guys who are just doing the best they can. Yes, uh, when you're when option A is Nick Mullins, you're kind of stuck with what you're stuck with. But um, when we talk about the Packers offense, we go, oh, well, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the game. Aaron Rodgers is playing his butt off. Well, yeah, but if you watch, especially after all those years, Rodgers had to do with Mike McCarthy and his, you know, talk about mirrored slant flat until you throw up. Um, so then he gets the floor who is from. The both the Shanahan and the McVeigh schools. He's coached under both of those guys. And it is condensed formations. It's motion, it's play action. And Rodgers at first was like, do not put me in a box. I am Eddie Van Halen. I do not want to be in ACDC. And LaFleur said, yeah, but when you get the structure, you're going to be amazed at what happens. And that's, that's where we are now. And when I watch Green Bay's passing game, it is, and I was talking to Dan Arlofsky in the, the first pre-snap motion piece I did, and he called Kyle Shanahan the best mathematician in the NFL. What he meant by that was motion, we're, we're past the point where oh, you use pre-snap motion for a man's zone indicator. That's, that's like, okay, that's 101. What you really want to do is eliminate a team's best defender against you. And when I watch Matt LaFleur's passing concepts, especially in the red zone, it is jet motion. It, Tyler Urban has kind of become their guy for that. It is play action. It is receiver spacing and coordination. As my friend, Greg Cosell likes to say receiver distribution and location. I think right now, Matt LaFleur is as good as there is as an offensive play caller in the NFL. And people are just kind of looking over it because, Oh, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think we need to move past that because the more the, the more Green Bay tape you watch, the more Matt LaFleur is dialing it up as well as anyone. I would almost say at this point it's Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and then everybody else.
1: I think you have something to it. And while you've been talking, I have just been re-watching and re-watching the touchdown throw of Robert Tunyon, which I think is worthy of its own ESPN 30 for 30 because there are, are so many beautiful elements to this play. Obviously, you have the jet motion, which we talked about. You also have the play-action element, which we've talked about. But then the way they pull this together, because everything says to the Chicago Bears defense, they are running boot in a crosser, three-level flood. Devontae Adams on the crosser. You're expecting Jace Dernberger to be the guy in the flat because he sliced blocks on this outside zone look. And you've got Robert Tunyon releasing vertically.
0: This is a the touchdown? There's yeah,
1: it's, the, it's, the, it's second and eight, third quarter, 638.
0: Okay. Yeah. And
1: if you are the safeties, they are at a too high, looks to be a cover six type look, you are thinking about Adams on this crosser, and then you are thinking Tunyon's going to run a corner out over the top of it as your typical three-level read, right? Well... Tunyon runs a corner post, and you see, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, he does.
1: You see the safeties in the middle field, Doug, and their hips are open towards that side. With Rogers flowing that way, Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the game, running that crossing route towards that side of the field. If you're a safety, of course you're going to think this is what's coming. Of course you're going to open your hips to that side. Of course that's what you're going to expect. And then Robert Tunyon, who was I learned this week a high school quarterback, runs a post route. And you have the throwback, easy throw for Rogers. and it's like taking candy from a baby. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And so, yes, in the upper to play calls right now, there's Kyle Shanahan, and it is time to put Matt LaFleur up on that Mount Rushmore.
0: Yep. Right up. I'm noticing more and more with the Bears. Um, there are a lot of guys like trying to cover the same person, and they're all the wrong people. Yeah. They might want to work on that. They might want to work on that. They might want to work on that. So, uh, here come the Packers, Philadelphia Eagles. You just got smoked by the Seahawks, uh, even with Pete Carroll's, you know, Pete Carroll-esque game had decisions. I, I mean, I'm used to it. <laughs> Been covering the guy since he came here, and that's just part of the deal. Uh, Eagles have 125 snaps and cover one this season. Fifth highest in the league behind the Lions, <laughs> Titans, Cardinals, and Falcons, who actually should play more cover one. The only team in the NFL who should play more man are the Atlanta Falcons. There it is. They, the Eagles in cover one, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers versus cover one this season, 59 of 98 for 874 yards, 506 air yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. Maybe don't do that. Uh, And maybe Jim Schwartz stopped talking. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing about getting back to Peterson. This is from Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Doug Peterson is giving up more of the play calling duties to passing game coordinator, press Taylor, who will probably get a head coaching shot at, in the next five years, big name in front offices, senior offensive assistant, Rich Scangarello is calling more plays in two minute situations. Taylor got more of a shot after the Eagles went three and out on their first five possessions against the Seahawks. Um, I was listening to Mark Sanchez on Chris Long's podcast. And before you laugh, Mark Sanchez knows a crap ton about football. He does. Um, he talked about the voice in his ear. And sometimes it's a head coach or it's a coordinator or whoever it is. Um, I guess if you're in the box, you can't talk to your quarterback directly. Um, but he talked, Sanchez was talking about some guys give you <clears throat> really useless information. You know, it's first and 10, we need a play here. Um, other coaches will say, we have two plays, we're at our, you know, our plus 20. It's 3rd and 9. We're going to go for it on four, so you don't need all 9. Get 5. <clears throat> don't try and bite off more than you can chew. And Sanchez talked about coaches who are a calming influence in the headset. And I'm reading this thing about, you know, three different guys. Well, I'm calling the plays from the opponent 10-yard line to the 3-yard line, and then this other guy comes in from the 2 to the red zone or, or the end zone, and I, I just – I yikes it's
1: a too many cooks situation
0: it reminds me of when paul brown didn't bengals in the late 60s early 70s paul brown didn't want everyone to know that his offensive coordinator was calling the plays so the oc was up in the booth he'd relay the play down to paul brown and this is the early 70s so they didn't have a lot of technology they'd have to then send it to messenger guard to call the play um, because Paul Brown didn't want everyone to know that Bill Walsh was calling the plays, <laughs> like just get the damn thing out. Uh, this is a disaster. It's it,
1: it's a disaster right now. There are so many reasons why this Eagles offense is struggling, and, and a lot of them have to do with Carson Wentz. But I don't know if they can figure it out in time. And the, the biggest question right now is, with this entire situation is when do you sit Wentz down? And I don't know About if a month ago. At the the same time, like, do you sit him down when you still realistically have a shot to win this division? Or do you sit him down because you realistically have a shot to win this division, and he might be the one that holding you back? And that's a tough question for me to answer. Yeah. Because, I mean, is Jalen Hurts really going to turn this
0: around? Uh, Not with a defense that outside of its front four tends to fall apart uh, at alarming rates. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I... The season is spinning away from Philly, and they get New Orleans and Arizona over the next two weeks. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Like, then it might be Jalen Hurts' time down, you know, with those two divisional games in 16 and 17.
0: Yeah, which is smart. You know, put him in the most impossible situations against some really good defense.
1: And then he's going to look bad, and Wentz is going to look bad, and maybe he'll draft another quarterback on day two, because why
0: not? You're the QB factory. You're the QB factory. Yes, indeed. New are in the Chargers. Uh, Patriots will be against Lamar Jackson, against Kyler Murray. Play from the outside in. Overhang defenders. A lot more gaps by front than a pure pass rush. Um, Justin Herbert presents a different challenge that he's mobile, but not in the same way. Um, and Belichick had a lot of good things to say about Herbert this week. I don't know if you heard this. Um okay. Talked about his ability to move to a second and third reads to de- decipher split coverage, man side, man side, zone side. So when he sees cover six or any kind of hybrid, Herbert's able to go, that's zone, that's man, I want man. Yeah. Um, Herbert has been dominant against man coverage this season and under pressure. Patriots are heavy man, obviously, but they have split, they have thrown a bit more cover three and split safety in this season. I'm going to be fascinated given Belichick's tell on how impressed he is with Herbert i'm really interested to see how they play him
1: Um, i i can't wait for this game might
0: be the matchup of the week right there
1: yeah um i'm curious to see who gets hunter henry and how they handle him you know because you look at sort of the matchups like you can also wouldn't shut up about hunter henry right you know and we know a lot of things about belichick one of them is how much he fears a tight end i mean there were times when he would triple cover travis kelsey Mm -hmm. even with tyree kill on the outside you know and i think belichick's looking at this like keenan Allen, Stephon gilmore probably what we'll see mike williams um jc jackson probably what we'll see okay great what about hunter henry
0: yeah Gilmore against allen belichick's kind of already given that away I mean, that's not a surprise but one thing about belichick one of his tells is the more he mentions a guy and the belichick defensive thing is we want to take the guy who we fear most out yeah so maybe it is hunter henry maybe that's the guy they fear the most
1: because I'm sure Belichick's comfortable with those two receiver and cornerback matchups. I'm sure he's okay with that. Like, Keenan Allen will get his. Mike we will get his. But he's not worried about that too much. But then it's inside Hunter Henry against, say, Kyle Duggar in man. Uh, oh. No,
0: no, 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 no. You do not. Uh, Kyle Duggar is a nice player. But boy, he, against tight ends this year, from what I've seen on tape, struggled. That is a serious no.
1: Like, watch some of these he has struggled. And so you might see one double 86 in this game. With a guy they're going to take away, maybe with Kyle Duggar in some sort of man coverage, but with help in the form of, say, a Devil McCourty or a Jonathan Jones, you might see them double team the tight end in this game a lot.
0: Which then gets into, okay, if you've got and maybe Duggar becomes one of the overhang guys. Maybe that's his best place to be um it's kind of like jamal adams in a lesser sense we we like you around the line of scrimmage maybe right even though you're a safety yeah well he's a safety but and, and you know rookie I, i'm not saying this is how he's always going to be when, when i've watched him against tight ends it has not been pretty <laughs> think, oh no no it was, yeah it was um well just different instances in any case um but, I mean, Duggar was supposed to carry Chun's clubs this year. And then, you know. Well, it took Chun a while to get there, too.
1: Yeah. It, it, Belichick's defense is tough on hybrid safety type players because he asks them to do so much. Because on one, on three downs, you might be a half field safety on first down, a hybrid linebacker lined up as the sole linebacker on second down, and then you might be covering a tight end in man coverage on third down. That's a lot for every any NFL player, let alone a rookie coming from a Division two school.
0: Uh, does Anthony Lynn versus Bill Belichick present the NFL's widest possible gap in situational football acumen? I I really don't want to go. Anthony Lynn is such a nice guy, and I still want him to succeed for so many reasons. But oh my god!
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> those sequences against Buffalo. I it's like the end of that. That Alabama high school game this week where, you know, they take the the delay game and then the punt, and then it just spirals out of control. I I like Anthony Lynn. I I think the world of him, but it might be
0: time. Yeah, might be time. Well, yeah uh denver kansas city i don't have anything to say about denver's quarterback situation it hasn't already been said could be blake Bartles, could be shot kyle Shermer. could be Bubby brister could be frank tripuca who the hell knows who the hell cares we'll be interested to see if denver runs match blitzes against mahomes it was the only thing that worked against him in 2018 maybe now not so much but different staff but I will be interested to see how the Broncos look to bracket Hill and cover Kelsey underneath, because there's one thing we learned from the chiefs bucks game is that if you single cover Tyree kill on vertical routes, you are going to die. I don't know if Carlton Davis will ever, ever get over what happened to him. And he's Carlton Davis is probably a pro bowler. And, i mean that was not safe for work what tyree killed did to him and that i, I that's a, that's another situation where i don't blame the player that's on todd bowles what yeah. the hell are you thinking so like, we'll see
1: one of those touchdowns the vertical
0: along the right side the eye, davis was in like perfect position to cover he was, he was. he was absolutely where he should have been and mahomes just went cyborg on his ass yeah i mean mahomes is
1: an alien like i think we figured that out by now um I, I don't know. The only thing I think works for Denver potentially is that Justin Simmons is good, yeah, you know, so that might help. Um, you know, Mahomes did a really good job. Antoine Winfield in the middle of the field, some other guys were there in the post-safety role of moving them with their eyes. Justin Simmons might be a little bit better, so maybe he can help quicker, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have good feelings about this game if I'm a Denver fan.
0: I mean, you know, Shelby Harris, Alexander Johnson, Denver has some really underrated defenders, but uh, yikes. And, I, I, you know, if Mahomes goes – if the Chiefs go up 20, then just go home. Uh, This might be – I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, people who did something and then tried to analyze something, and the drop from performance when they did it to when they're trying to figure it out is worse than John Elway as a quarterback and a quarterback evaluator.
1: I mean, the only one he got right was convincing Manning not to come to Denver.
0: Well, he beat, yeah, he beat, he beat the Seahawks to the airport. And then the Seahawks had to draft Russell Wilson.
1: Oops. Yeah, we see how that worked out. But then Trevor send me and Paxton Lynch, and now Drew Locke is a big question mark. And I think I'm working on something for general managers in the hot seat. And I think you have to put John L.A. on that list.
0: I did, Pax. I, did, I watched tape with Lynch um, before his draft I, uh, at an SI Summit. So I was in New York City at the SI offices back when they were the SI offices and I sat at a table and watched tape with him I think It was against the Memphis game it was Memphis and like front side Reed was not there and he didn't see it and like they're gonna take this guy and they took him in the first run and I thought okay
1: um, Doug I'm old enough to remember the past and lunch Qb1 discussion yeah
0: now of course. Yeah. Yeah, Golf and Carson Wentz were the other options. So, I mean, yeah, sometimes when you watch tape with a guy, you, you realize, like when I watch tape with Jalen Johnson um, before this draft, they're like, somebody better take him in the first round. They didn't. Whoops. Uh, Bears got him in the second. That's going to work out. Be like a tape rat. Like, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. He could. he could just break that out. So that's physical ability, mental acuity, and just the, the total buy in. He's he's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Washington at Pittsburgh. So, and you're, you study quarterbacks more than I do um, at a higher level than I do, but when I'm studying a quarterback, I like to pause a quarterbacks tape right before he hits his back foot on a drop back. And then right as he hits his back foot on a drop back. And then I want to see what is open or what is coming open. Cause that's kind of how I get a feeling of when you're dropping that foot and ready to throw, what do you see and where do you go with it? What do you trust and what do you not trust? Now, I watch Ben Roethlisberger right now. I'm thinking this guy is turning into Philip Rivers. There, he doesn't seem to trust what he's seeing. And I'm wondering if there isn't a gap between what his brain tells him to do and what his arm can actually achieve from a timing and velocity standpoint. Like two or three years ago, I could hit this thing bang on, and now I can't. And I think there's a, there might be a wrestling match in his head, with that, you know, what I used to be able to do versus what I can do now.
1: I think that's exactly right. And I, I'm, I'm thinking back to a couple of weeks ago when Roethlisberger had a game sort of in weather, and you asked, Is this something to be concerned about? Or are we just sort of putting a pin in this to watch, or are you kind of throwing it away? And I said, Oh, well, you know, it's one game. We'll think about it and we'll come back to it. I think now we have to revisit that sort of discussion, and I think that's exactly right. There's a gap between what the mind thinks it can do and what the body can actually do right now. And if you look at that first play of the game, they have a jet motion vertical concept against a cover three scheme. It's Magman on the backside. It's cover three front side, And he's got the dig, and that's open, but he doesn't want to throw it because he really likes the vertical. And he's done a good job of moving the safety, the post safety, and the cornerback. Drawing the cornerback's eyes to the dig right in the middle of the field. And he's got Chase Claypool on a vertical, but he just doesn't, it doesn't get there when it should. Mm-hmm. And now maybe Claypool could still catch it. But if he puts a little more on this, it's a completion and it's a big one. But I don't know if he can put a little more on it. And I'm
0: not saying he's toast. I'm not, no. you know, I'm not saying it's time to retire. No, I, mean, I think what what is happening to him is what happened to. I mean, Drew Brees is the obvious example, and Brees was able to get some of the deep ball back. But there comes a point, and people keep saying it's happening to Brady. I don't think it's happened to Brady yet. It's just no. that's a whole different debacle, and they're on a bye, so we'll get into that next week. But Um, I think with Ben, it might be that point at which you need to start throwing in more breaking balls because you were in 97 and now you're at 93.
1: Yeah. Four
0: miles an hour make a lot of difference.
1: You were Pedro in 99. Now you're Pedro in like 2007, where before it was like you could throw 97 wherever you wanted and guys weren't going to touch you. I mean, I will tell you kids as a Red Sox fan, Pedro Martinez. 1999 kids it was like something that was magical i mean he had a one hitter against the yankees where they lost but it was like he could put the ball 97 miles out wherever he wanted but later in his career like you said it's more breaking balls that's that's what right now it's more touch time and rhythm it's like rivers like you can't dial-up velocity on a deep out route outside of the numbers anymore. You have to throw it quicker. You have to be a more anticipatory quarterback, and you have to take advantage of the opportunities when you get them. And I think that's, you know, you put in the show run, you know, A.C. Rivers right now. Yeah. Not saying you can't win that way. You certainly can't. can't win that way, especially with that defense. You have to accept that and, you know, accept the limitations
0: as you have them right now and then go from there. Way great ralph wiley one of my favorite sports writers of all time one of the guys who made me want to do this once wrote a man's got to understand his limitations if he doesn't his coach should so there you go yeah. um bud dupree out the rest of the season to injury ouch yeah well who's going to replace bud dupree on that side opposite tj watt uh i wonder if the Steelers will put cam hayward at right end more he has 142 snaps a season at right end right leo or right outside linebacker And usually he's just taking the poor left guard on either shoulder and, you know, demolishing his ass because he's I never have believed that Cameron Hayward has given his has been given his just due. Um, He is. I mean, Aaron Donald. Yes, obviously, number one. Uh, More often than not, Cameron Hayward has been the second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL over the last, say, three to four years. Yeah. Years ago, there, I mean, it was a, like a half a season. I think it was 2018, 2017 or 2018. Every time I watch the guys tape, I'm like, okay, there, there is a, a really large difference here between him and Donald. So I'm wondering if <clears throat> now, because they've got a nice rotation of inside guys, I wonder if they just put Hayward on the edge and make him a, you know, make him that guy.
1: I think you do. I am as, as talented as it gets up front, I think when you have the ability, you know, obviously, T.J. Watt's going to, you know, create a lot of attention. You know, offensive lines are going to worry about where he is. Now you put Cameron Hamer perhaps on the opposite side, the guy that, you know, for his power on the inside, he's got enough hand quickness where he can beat some tackles coming off the edge. You know, it's not Budger, budger pre but given what you have on our roster right now, it's a pretty good fac- yeah, facsimile thereof.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, and that's you know very well coached offensive line. You got sure if you got Will. I mean that, that's you know that's going to be uh, quite the matchup. It is going to be. I, I'm not
1: saying that Pittsburgh wins this game, but I think this is going to be a closer game than people might expect.
0: Yeah, I might well I'm getting to Washington's offense. That's <laughs> yeah, But Washington's defensive front. I love Antonio Gibson. You know, I'm, I've been Team Antonio since I watched tape with him, but uh, maybe not. Not this week. We'll see. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, Washington's defensive front is very good. We're and dead. they're going to force some some quicker throws, and maybe that plays what we were talking about with Roethlisberger. But it's a very good defensive front. It might generate a turnover, To I'm not I'm not going to put my money on Washington, but I think this game will be close.
0: I believe, I'm looking it up right now, uh, not that sacks are the ultimate indicator. Steelers lead the NFL 41 sacks. Eagles and Washington are tied for second with 36 pressure percentage see that's interesting washington is like 10th in pressure percentage and second in sacks so that's kind of you know and then steelers broncos falcons by the way third in pressure percentage broncos second Tampa bay well they got other problems but anyway um so yeah it's kind of interesting how uh sacks are one thing and pressures are another buffalo at san francisco this is going to be well. First of all, Robert Sala had better get a head coaching job when this thing is over. Because good lord, seconded, diabolical crap against the Rams. Uh Have you ever seen Richard Sherman play free safety before? Because I did. <laughs> On that, I mean the play where he had the- I was, and I, I remember I rookie mini camp twenty eleven. And, of course, I live in Seattle, so I'm out there and, like, who is this skinny 25? God, he's such a jerk. He's just pushing everyone around. The first time I saw him was his first rookie minicamp. I have never seen Sherman play free safety before. I would love to talk to him about that install.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the interception that he had – I asked like three different people. I'm like, what coverage is this? And it it was really just cover one. But I'm like, is this an inverted two? Are they spinning this to cover
0: one with them in the middle of the field? Like, what is going on here? But yeah. Both of his picks came off cover one. They were just radically different. Yeah. I mean, look, Robert
1: Saleh, obviously we know what Kyle Shannon has done on the offensive. Robert Saleh has been fantastic. And, you know, if you're a team that... You know, you, you don't need the offensive-minded head coach to scheme up your young quarterback kind of route. Please hire this
0: man. If I'm not, I'm, I'm Googling this right now. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. uh, You know where Robert Seller grew up? No. Michigan born in dearborn michigan went to northern michigan michigan state defensive assistant central michigan defensive assistant that's where you got to start is there a home coming in the works doug hey lions figure it out well they're gonna hire jim harbaugh oh god (laughs) i think think the jets are gonna do that oh god that that just seems like too much of a thing yeah that that's that's jim's re-entry into yeah Hey, you know what? Maybe Harbaugh will get hired by the Jets and Robert Sall will go to Michigan and turn the whole thing around. Wow. We could do a whole podcast on what the hell happened to Dan Brown, by the way. Wow. That whole defense. It's gone from like first to, I was watching college football with a friend. We stayed up at a friend's house last week and some numbers on Michigan's defense over the last five years. Elevator shaft. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, So Josh Allen against that. And I know we've talked about it at length um allen is becoming i mean he kills man coverage so they're not going to play straight cover one not that they do but he's becoming smarter against zone and disguise stuff and you know late movement and things he doesn't understand it's just you know drop it off and you can win that way against nick mullins yeah but uh you know josh allen is going to have a couple of my head just exploded moments against this defense
1: yeah i mean i think this game comes down to does nick mullins force the bad turnover or not and if he does buffalo probably wins this game well
0: we, you know we're, 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 you're talking about like what are the really good nfl teams if Tradavius white is healthy and it appears that he is and you went into a you did a thing on how he read justin herbert's mind uh maybe talk about that a little bit because this defense is starting to come around
1: yeah, they're starting to come around, and, and that's just it. Like, that interception, they're, they're in cover three. Herbert, I think, thinks he read it right, um, but ignores the fact that Trey White is just reading his mind from the backside. And he sees exactly, because Herbert's eyes never move from Hunter Henry on a crossing route, and he just jumps the route, you know, working from the backside, um, just an, an incredible play. If Mullins has a throw or two like that, Buffalo wins. If not... This game could be, you know, another like surprisingly close one, you know, given this you know, sort of records between these two teams because, you know, like you just said, Robert Saleh is going to force some strange decisions and reads and throws from Josh Allen, you know. But this defense from Buffalo is getting better. Those two safeties, I love that safety tandem. White mm-hmm. is getting healthy, you know, so he's forcing some mistakes right now. Um, so if Nick Mullins makes that one or two big mistake, Buffalo probably wins. If not, this one could be close too. And then we. Can, we it might be time to... I know this is such a weird year in the NFC. Can San Francisco make a run somehow, stapling together an offense with Nick Mullins?
0: Maybe. I'm mean, Grappler's out pretty much for the year, right?
1: High ankle sprain, like... Pretty much.
0: Yeah. Well, they're... Let's see, they're five and six now. They've got they got the bills they got the football team they got the cowboys they got the cardinals they got the seahawks um if you can't beat the cowboys at this point you don't belong in the discussion anyway washington uh that could be a problem for washington cardinals and seahawks eh, i don't know about that is that that's two teams where you don't know which one is going to show up yeah you know from this or that, so There's
1: potential here for this. I
0: mean, they couldn't, the problem there is that every team in the NFC West, you could say the same thing about. I mean, Seahawks could be the one seed; they could be the seven seed. I, you know, who the hell knows? This is a weird NFC year. Just a weird NFC year. One thing, and again, I've known Richard Sherman since he came into the NFL, and his press conference, I believe, it was after the Rams game. He talked about, and I've never heard Sherm. I mean, Sherm. There's two things I know about Sherm. Uh, he has always respected Pete Carroll, even when the di- in the kind of the divorce happened. And he hates Jim Harbaugh with the strength of a million sons because he thought he was misused and, you know, yeah. And yeah, yeah. disregard Richard Sherman. Uh, never a good idea. Um, but he was talking about Salah yeah um i guess i'll read the quote you've got to give coach salah an abundance of credit you have to give him an unusual amount of credit and i don't think he's giving getting enough credit not only here but in the league in general to have the injuries we've had week after week he never makes an excuse And statistically, we're still a top five defense in almost every category. There are guys out there with pro bowlers, all pros, never had an injury, never had any adversity, and they're not putting out a top five defense. He's not making excuses. (coughs) Excuse me. He's making great plans week in and week out. We're making it happen. and I think I expect him to be a head coach next year because of what he's able to do. He's able to rally men. He's a leader of men, and that goes a long way. If you're not going to listen to me and Mark, listen to Richard Sherman.
1: Yep. I mean, that's the, you know, bullet point on the top of the resume for Robert Saller. um
0: Because I, I just, sure, you know, as much as he can get all shouty when it comes to like what he really believes, he's pretty close right. to the best. And I watched tape with him in 2015. It took me six months to convince him to do it.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned Michigan ties, you mentioned the Detroit Lions. The word out of Detroit is they want someone to be sort of a leader of men. Yep. Oh, who could that be? It's almost like Sherman read those stories out of Detroit and said, I'm going to get him the Lions job. Uh, knowing Sherm, that
0: would not surprise me one day. <laughs> he set this whole thing up. Yeah, that's Sherman him.
1: Brilliant human being. And so for him to tee that up, don't, wouldn't surprise
0: me at all. Yep. Uh, Dallas at Baltimore, I have no idea which Ravens will be in this game and which Ravens will not be. So matchups are impossible. Uh, Trace McSorley, go, because I know your team Trace. For whatever
1: reason, what's Team Trace? Although he was, uh, look, well, got a chance to talk to him at the Senior Bowl um, back when we could travel and talk to players and stuff like that.
0: Was that um, guy on your Twitter profile for a while, that you were talking oh, to that was uh, uh, Jared Stidham. Oh, there you go. Yeah, which was, I think, oh, it's almost like you knew. It's almost like
1: I knew it it was great. And I have to give a shout-out to Christian Page of Cover One and some other Spites who uh, took that photo and sent it to be a really nice little gift. Uh, Trace McSorley was nice to talk to. I think the best aspect of the Trace McSorley story is that Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network made a bet that if Trace McSorley ever scored a touchdown, he'd buy a jersey. And so he had to order a youth extra large because that's apparently are no small Trace McSorley jerseys at the NFL shop, which to me might be the most fascinating aspect of this entire thing is that. Apparently, Doug, the small and medium adult size Trace McSorley jerseys were sold out, so Basil, like had to buy a youth extra large, which is incredible. And he's apparently going to get that delivered in the next couple of weeks. I can't wait to see him take a picture with that jersey on. That's my favorite part of the whole Trace McSorley thing.
0: I, I, I'm I just going to end the podcast. I don't anything else. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ben was in, like, the group chat just, like, screaming his head off at us for doing that
0: to him. Oh, it was great. It's like <laughs> trying to follow Hendrix on stage. And- yeah. Oh, oh God. You put a pin in it and, and move on, to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, no that- One no, no, more that thought, by the way. Tredavious White reading Justin Herbert's intentions out of Cover 3. You think there's a guy in Foxborough with a hoodie looking at that? Oh, You might yeah. see a whole crap ton of Cover 3 from the Patriots. Yeah. They play this. If you play man against Herbert, I don't care who you are, you're going to get your ass kicked. And the Patriots are not playing man well this year at all. No,
1: they're not, and that's why they're playing more cover three, cover two, like a lot more than we used to see it. And you think with with Belichick's affinity for cover one, with the guy, with the horses they've got, they play more cover one. They they're struggling to do it, and I think part of it is you see some of these younger quarterbacks, guys like Watson and you know Murray, you know, even though he struggled at times, you know, they know. They'll just put the ball where they need to. Like, they'll just throw against leverage, and that's one of the best things that Herbert's done this year is just throw against leverage. Like, man zone, I'll pick the man side
0: and put the ball where it needs to be. I, whatever. I just I found Belichick's comment about Herbert reading the man side and the zone side and deciphering it. That, you know, and obviously, (laughs) you look for the Belichick answers. Was like, oh, and I really I'm just bringing because I don't you know Solak in a kid's jersey. I really don't want to end it that way. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, look, COVID has been fantastic.
0: Yep. So good. On that note, trying to pull that one out of the fire. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to the senior role since 2012. Because in 2013, I was a Seattle guy, and obviously, you know, things. Like yeah. But, yeah. I remember it, weird things happen in Mobile. Much. What happened I mean, in Mobile should really stay there. As we just, just I, as we just discovered. I mean, some stories that I've
1: been party to, or even just heard about. Yeah, it's. I mean, not going to get there this year. I mean, I know Nagy might try to have it, but I can't imagine that they'll be like letting media come down. I don't. I don't think the teams will be happy about that.
0: I mean, um, I mean no one I've talked to is planning to go to the Super Bowl or the Combine. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I might, I might try to get to the combine, like, and that's going to depend on vaccines and stuff like that. But I looking at the timeline, like, I don't see how it
0: happens. The extent to which Laura would kick my ass if I tried to go to Indianapolis would probably preclude that. Well, that's just it. Like, that might be the case in your case, too, Dr. Schofield. No, it is. Like, I, I've a wifely ass whooping. Uh, it's coming.
1: We've got real world implications on this end, too, in terms of, like, risk categories and stuff. Sure. And so I... Unless there are vaccines like in everybody around me before I fly, I'm not going. Nope. So I hope for the senior bowl that Nagy makes the practice film available in real time. Like he kind of did for the people on the ground. I think that would be a smart thing for him to do. You know, apply for credentials. We'll give you a login. Then we can just sit here and watch the practices and basically do what we do. Just from a row. like yeah, I,
0: th- I assume they have you know the NFL Network shows all we'll the practices anyway.
1: Yeah, but it's different. Like when we were there last year, like I could log on from my hotel room and see. Okay, I want to watch offensive line, defensive line, one v ones. Oh, okay. That's what I'm talking
0: about. Oh, okay. And so,
1: like I could literally, I didn't even have to go to the stadium. I could just sit there and say, I want to watch Ben Brendison in one versus ones pull it up, boom, just watch it, and you get the tight angle on it. If they do that, that would be fantastic. And then you can watch, like, the 7 on sevens and the receiver corners one-on-one. I mean, that's like football nerd heaven. And you have
0: time to make trades with for Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mercifully on that note, we're going to end this. Uh, thanks, as always, Mark. Great stuff, and uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good, buddy.